There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. And it's, uh, it's great to be back with you again for another week. And uh, I'm delighted. I've done now nearly 400 shows and uh, in this uh, little backwater in uh, the United Kingdom, I've just, just got fiber. I can't quite believe that. So I'm on a, a real high this week, um, having um, access to a little bit more uh, juice, which is very helpful when now we're doing everything um, or a lot of things virtually. Um, so today I've got a, a fantastic um, guest. We're going to talk about discovering agreement in disagreeable times uh, with Glenn uh, Mir. And um, before I introduce him, though, I'd like to say a big thank you to my guest last week, uh, Winston Wenyan Ma. Um, I thought it was a fascinating show last week. Uh, it, was, it was a different one. We talked about the the, the backdrop of what's going on in the world right now when it comes to investment and investment in digital companies. It was about hunting for unicorns. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Winston is um, uh, an absolute expert when it comes to sovereign wealth funds and uh, worked in, in, in one in China and also has worked on Wall Street and is now a, an NYU um, professor and, and a multiple, multiple author. And uh, this whole story of understanding how these huge funds, about $30 trillion of money are now sitting in sovereign wealth funds and how they're impacting um, on the, the globe and on the competitive uh, marketplace out there. And I hadn't realized that these funds, you know, China own, you know, most of Tesla and Airbnb. And um, so it was really, really interesting last week. So if, you're, if you want to get a, a sense of what's going on in the market right now, uh, in the international economic kind of marketplace, uh, do uh, take a listen um, to that. Um, also, I'd like to um, say a big thank you to my friend, Corey Blake. Uh, Corey has uh, amazing character. We've had him on the show a couple of times. Uh, he's, uh, he's an amazing storyteller. Uh, he has incredible friends like um, Brad Pitt, who he, he was with on the Fight Club, and Glenn, who we've got on the show today. So um, he's got some amazing connection. And he said, you've got to talk to Glenn um, and introduced us. Um, so we're going to talk today, you know, obviously, um, it, it's, it's, we're going through turbulent times. We all know that. Um, and what can happen, of course, is we can find ourselves in all sorts of disagreements, um, and particularly you know, in, in, in business, you see them all the time at the moment, people are in disagreements around politics, people are in disagreement around vaccines. But you know, at a company level, there are disagreements. At a personal level, people are locked down together, and that's leading to disagreements. So we're going to talk today how, about how often it's easy to view conflict as an energy drain and the natural reaction is to avoid it. And that can potentially lead to all sorts of uh, complex uh, legal issues in the future. Now, Glenn F. Um, uh, Meyer, just Glenn, do I say Meyer or Mia? Meyer, like tire. Great, excellent. So Meyer, so I was, uh, I was correct with that. I normally ask uh, beforehand, um, <laughs> but I didn't want to get that wrong. He brings incredible experience as a trial attorney, a litigator, and dispute resolver into helping people discover agreements out of disagreements. 
As a business lawyer and advisor, he helps company leaders plan legal strategies that account for the needs and goals of all stakeholders and has many, many years of experiencing and handling transactions, disputes, and business law issues. He regularly serves an outside general counsel to a variety of clients, guides them through mindful planning with a focus on effective leadership, uh, uses his skills and experience as a mediator and legal counselor to help business leaders clarify their thinking, operate their companies in a way that aligns with the law and their own guiding principles. And now the breadth of his experience um, is, is interesting. It includes the US Air Force. And I think we should probably say before we, we do this that um, you know, Glenn is, uh, has a legal background and Glenn says, um, whatever we talk about today shouldn't be considered legal advice. I'm wondering if I should say that on every show now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you should say it on every show, Chris, uh, but I appreciate you talking about that here because, and I don't want to just gloss over that because I think it's, it's really important. So, you know, the things that we're going to talk about today, particularly when we talk about uh, how conflict shows up uh, in your business activity, it almost always has some kind of legal implication. So um, not only should you not take what I say today as legal advice, but I think it's really important that if you find yourself in a situation like this in your business, that you, um, that you get some good legal advice from a lawyer who's properly licensed wherever you are in the world uh, so that uh, when you're making decisions about how you're going to handle the conflict, it's important to kind of understand what your rights are. Now you may decide, well, I'm going to walk down a different path than what my rights are, but it's important that you know what that path is. So, so I thank you for, uh, for kind of bringing that up right out of the gate. That's great. <laughs> and, and also I have never been um, put in the same category as Brad Pitt in an introduction before that will forever be a highlight for me. Oh, you're very, you're very, very welcome. I thought it's the very <laughs> least I could do. <laughs> um, Great. So, um, so I mean, you, but you're um, you, you're based in where is it Las Vegas? Is that? Correct? I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes. Wow. And what, what's that like as a city to live in? <laughs> I'll tell you what. So I've lived here for going on thirty years now, just shy of of thirty years, and uh, I love this place. I wasn't born here, but it is absolutely my home. And, and there's a couple of things that I want to tell people about Las Vegas, one of which you'll understand if you've just been here, and the other you kind of have to, you're going to have to take my word for it because you really need to, to be here as part of the community. So, so the thing that people who uh, just have been here will understand is, you know, I'm in flipping Las Vegas. I mean, it's fun. Uh, this, it's less fun right now, but, uh, you know, this is a place where people come to play in all variety of, of ways. Uh, and so to, to live around that energy all the time, uh, you know, you pick up some of that energy. So that, uh, is great. The other thing that I think might surprise people more about Las Vegas is, uh, it, it's just, it's, it's a place of, of, uh, really, um, strong community. Uh, there, there's a big sense of community in this town. Uh, I think that that has helped this town be really resilient throughout the times that I've lived here. You know, we've experienced lots of disruptions. Um, basically, anytime there's, you know, 9-11 or uh, the financial crisis in, in 
the late 2000s. Um, you know, it, the, the tourism industry here, you know, has to take a hit and adjust how they're going to respond. So, and, and I think part of, of why we're good at doing that and being resilient like that is because, you know, there's, there's most of the people who live here aren't from here. And so this is kind of a collection of people from all over a variety of different backgrounds. And, and there's this, this unspoken agreement among people who've lived here for a long time that we're going to take a bunch of really different people and put them together in a soup and make it work. Uh, so yeah, I, living in Las Vegas is awesome. <laughs> I can see uh, I'm, I'm uh, looking at you at the moment now with my yeah. increased uh, fiber, which yeah. is uh, very, very pleased about. I can actually see you do my interviews and I can see my guests and, Great. Uh, and I'm looking at your bass guitars at the moment in the background. So you're yes. a recording musician, is that correct? Yes. Yes. So that's one of the things that I spend a lot of my time doing. And I, I think for me, um, studying music is uh, a lot about studying life. Uh, and I've had really, really great music teachers that I've been blessed to work with um, uh, throughout my life. Uh, and, um, and so I, I just love playing music and, um, and having that as a way to make connection with other people is really fun. Yeah, excellent. What, what did you, you said you um, weren't brought up in Las Vegas. Where did you mm-hmm. life originate for you? And how did you end up um, sort of doing legal work and, and going in the U.S. Air Force and where did that Yeah, so, so that's the story. So, um, so I grew up uh, kind of all over the place because my father was uh, also an Air Force officer. Uh, he was a, a Vietnam-era pilot in the Air Force uh, and also uh, did some non-flying jobs while he was uh, in the Air Force, but he spent 23 years, I think, was a graduate of the Air Force Academy. So I had been around the military all my life. And I'd also been really used to, because of that, moving around and getting into new situations and seeing new situations. Um, so, you know, so I had that background. And then I, I, I was trying to think back to when exactly it was. It was sometime around 13 or 14 years old. I just knew that what I wanted to do was be a lawyer. And specifically what I wanted to do was I wanted to be a courtroom lawyer. Like I wanted to be Perry Mason. Um, and and it's, it's really amazing because as I, I look back at it, um, it, things have played out really perfectly for me with that. So I, uh, you know, I chose a law school that uh, had special programs about uh, teaching you courtroom skills that went beyond the typical law school curriculum. Uh, and then when I got out of law school and I was looking to, um, to uh, you know, move into actually working as a lawyer, I, I, I knew that as a young lawyer, uh, the opportunity to spend a lot of time in the courtroom right away. Yeah. I was going to have to be in the right kind of job for that. And because I had been around the air force my whole life, I, I knew that if I got the right assignment, that being a military lawyer would give me those opportunities. 
And so I really was looking, uh, I looked uh, at uh, joining both the Air Force and the Navy uh, and uh, ended up uh, staying with the Air Force. Um, you know, I, I, I knew what all the, the shiny things on the uniform meant from, uh, from growing up uh, around it. And it was just really comfortable for me. Uh, and I got the absolute best assignment I could have gotten for, um, for somebody who wanted to be a courtroom lawyer because I got sent to the Air Force base that did more court-martial work than any other base in the world. Uh, and that was Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, throughout, I've spent six years in the Air Force. Um, every position I had was really my dream job at that time. Uh, and that's something that's carried over uh, since I've left the Air Force and, and been practicing in the civilian world is, you know, I had time to work as a junior lawyer and really learn kind of the basic skills of uh, lawyering in the civil world. Um, I had a chance to run my own firm for a while with a partner. Uh, we uh, had the experience of then merging our firm into another local um, law firm, a, a strictly Nevada-based law firm. And so I got to experience, you know, kind of working at a, a higher level than you do at just a small, you know, kind of literally mom and pop lawyer shop. Uh, and then from there, I, I found myself uh, about a year ago in a position where I, I had, because of my involvement in the conscious capitalism group, I had um, uh, uh, connections all across the country. And these were people that I really wanted to be able to work with. And so I knew, knew that I was going to need to be uh, in a platform that, um, you know, was, was bigger than just in Nevada. Uh, and so, um, so almost a year ago today, I joined the law firm of Greenberg Traurig and, um, that's absolutely been a continuation of this. Every job I get is my dream job. Uh, and I, I hope we get a chance to talk about them a little bit later because they're, they're cool. Excellent. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Um, got about sort of three minutes, four minutes before we go to commercial break. Okay. We continue, continue chatting in the break. Um, let's just talk about, you know, conflicts. What, what do you, mm -hmm. what do you mean precisely about conflicts in business? What's your, yeah. your interpretation of, of, you know, what constitutes a conflict? Yeah, so I'm going to start with this and say that I, I have a real broad definition of conflict. And, and part of the reason why it's broad is because I think we need to learn to be comfortable in conflict. And so, um, so you know, I know you're also a musician, I'm a musician. Musicians know about the idea that there are certain notes that you play that kind of make the audience feel like not just right, like it's like if you ended on those notes, people would be like the song, they would know the song's not finished, even if they didn't have a musical background. And then you play the next note that resolves that. And that, that uh, use of tension in music is a lot of how you play music that provides you know, certain emotional responses in people. And, and I see conflict as a similar kind of tension. And it's specifically the tension I see that comes up when 
we disagree or when we just have different perspectives on something. So real quick example, let's say you and I are in a business, we run a company and we're looking, do we want to buy another company? Well, you know, we could be in disagreement. I think we should buy it and you think we shouldn't. That's obvious disagreement. But there's also like, I could want to buy it and turn around and sell it right away because I think we could basically make money flipping it. And you could want to buy it and think we have a long-term need to keep that asset around and develop it. So all of those disagreements are conflict. And what I see as, as conflict resolution is kind of like when the musician plays that last note um, that, that makes it all feel good all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, so, uh, so I, and a big part of, of my approach to conflict is understanding that it happens all the time. Like you're, you, you probably have conflicts every day. Um, most of them don't bother you, but the, the ones that are real obvious conflicts, like I think we should buy the company and you think we shouldn't, they can real easily promote kind of negative feelings inside of us because they're uncomfortable. So, um, and, and when we we come back from the break, cause I know we got to do that soon. I want to, I want to talk about how, you know, we can expand that feeling of comfort in conflict. Yeah, that's good. I, I like that, that um, idea around vibration. Cause we, we had uh, Dr. Ginny Whitelaw who used to manage the space station on the show not long ago. And she's now a, um, an expert in, um, in Zen leadership but she talked a lot about vibration and that uh, the actual physics behind it and the actual energy uh, and, and feeling we get and if if uh, things are going through conflicts that that negative emotion can engulf us can't it and it can uh, it can it can result in a lot a loss of productivity can't it and uh, mm-hmm. a big negative yeah yeah, yeah we, I, I can talk some more about that uh, when we come back Excellent. Great. Well, we'll be back again with everybody in just a couple of minutes. And uh, after the after the break, we're going to talk about um, about conflict. And we'll talk in particular about three steps that Glenn's identified that we need to really consider to ensure that um, we we discover agreement. Um, so we, this um, this could save you a lot of um, a lot of negative energy and uh, potentially a lot of money uh, in, in the future. So do join us, listen carefully. We'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America 
is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and it's great to be back with you. And for those of you who are listening to this on Voice America, we also uh, we may may put this onto YouTube. So some of you may listen to this on uh, on YouTube and be able to see us. We were just chatting about Las Vegas having had snow in um, in the last week, and we've had snow here, which is a bit unusual too. So um, we've both enjoyed a bit of bit of white stuff. Yeah, indeed. It was, it's something that happens every couple, three years in Las Vegas and everybody likes to take pictures of palm trees with snow on them and, uh, and post them online. So folks may have seen that. Excellent. So yeah. let's, we're, we're obviously before the break, we're, we're chatting around conflict. So from your experience, um, how would you recommend that people approach conflict, Glenn? Yeah. Well, so let me, I, I need to set that up a little bit if, if I can. And what I really want to do is I want to talk about, you mentioned as we we're going into the break, the idea of, of energy and, and conflict as a ne- negative energy. And a lot of people feel that like it's a drain and, and there's studies uh, that are out there in business that talk about, you know, the amount of dollars that people um, basically spend in their companies dealing with internal conflict dealing with external conflict. Uh, and, um, it's, I can tell you from, from talking to a lot of clients that a lot of them experience that as kind of an energy draining activity going through conflict. And so what I want to set up is what we're really talking about here with this approach is being able to shift that energy. Uh, and it is not conflict doesn't end up being, uh, a, an energy drain because it's conflict, it ends up being an energy drain because of how the conflict is approached, right? Okay. So there's, there's people that are really smart uh, about this stuff that have studied this and identified kind of five different uh, ways to deal with conflict, and it's based on two variables. So, so I'm setting up the classic two-by-two two grid here. Uh, but one of those variables is how assertive you are. How much are you going to aggressively pursue your own interests? And the other variable is how cooperative you are. How much are you going to work to make sure that the other side has their interests served in the resolution of the conflict? 
So real quick, if you're high assertive and low cooperative, you have what's called a competitive approach to conflict. And this is mm -hmm. the people who tend to see conflict more as a zero sum game and there's a winner and a loser and like, all that sort of stuff. Uh, if you're low on both variables, you are going to tend to avoid conflict, right? Uh, there's uh, been a lot of writing in business about the idea of artificial harmony in business. And I think it's, it's important for people to understand that, um, that uh, the goal isn't to have no conflict because if you think you're having no conflict, probably what you're really having is a lot of hidden conflict, right? And that comes from avoiding. Uh, if you're high cooperative and low assertive, you're, you're Neville Chamberlain, you're an accommodator. Um, you have, sure, let them do whatever they want. Uh, if you're kind of mid-range on both variables, then, uh, then you are going to tend to pursue a compromising strategy. Hey, you want this and I want this. And so I'll get a little what I want. And you'll get a little what you want. And we'll go on about our day. Uh, and then the, the last approach, if you're high on both variables, is the collaborative approach. And this is getting back to con conscious capitalism. This is what I saw when I first started um, getting involved with that uh, organization and that movement is that these are people who explicitly say, hey, we want to have win-win relationships with all our stakeholders. And what that means, if, if you translate that into the language of conflict styles, is that you want to have that collaborative approach to conflict where you are high assertive and high cooperative. Yeah. Okay. Also important to say that um, the other side gets a vote in how the conflict is approached as well. So if I'm super collaborative, but I'm in a conflict with somebody who's absolutely competitive, I'm going to have to adjust my approach to conflict to, to more match their style. Okay, so that's some, just some kind of basic nuts and bolts framework stuff. What's interesting is, okay, so how do you look at those styles and go through and, and accomplish that energy shift? and go from, first of all, conflict being an energy drain, moving it to a point where it's at least energy neutral. Uh, and then what's really cool is if you want, and if you engage with it the right way, then conflict actually turns into an energy generator. Yeah. Um, and, and the work that I've been able to do with clients um, on setting up those kind of conflict systems, like that's the most fun that I get to have. <laughs> so, so that's cool. So, so, you're, so you're also what you're doing is you're, I, 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 there's, there's also some self-development in there by the sounds of it. You're helping people understand their, their kind of profile when it comes to, to dealing with conflict. And, uh, and probably, yeah. probably that profile is something, you know, whether you're high assertive, low assertive, it's, um, mm -hmm. I'm thinking back to some of the, um, you know, some of the, the, the models of, of behavior. Um, that's important because yeah, if you, if you don't, don't remember match somebody, but also be cooperative, you can end up uh, escalating, couldn't you? Quite easily. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, you can end up, um, you know, you can end up, there, there's a, a game. So I also do work as a mediator in addition to being a lawyer. And when I first um, had my, my initial mediation training, one of the 
first things they did was they had us play a game with each other that was um, kind of, it, it was based on the idea of the prisoner's dilemma, which, you know, we can get into some other time. Uh, but basically, you had to choose, are you going to be competitive with people? Or are you going to be cooperative with people? And what you found in the game is that if I was going to be super cooperative and the other players or even just one of the other player was going to be super competitive, then it, it, um, it impacted the results for everybody negatively. So that's what I mean when I say you got to kind of you don't have to exactly match somebody else's approach. Like if somebody is just being a scorched earth litigator, you know, we're, we're going to pursue everything super aggressively. You don't have to take that approach, but you, if, if you try and go to that person and say, Hey, let's all just, let's sit down and let's really have a conversation about, you know, finding a win-win for, for all of us. You're going to have challenges with doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are the, um, around, uh, so this is, this is how you, what you, you know, your work around creating this, um, conflict resolution where there's engagement. So, mm-hmm. um, that, that developing, um, being aware of your style and being mindful of it, that's, um, a key element, is it? Right. Absolutely. So you gotta, you, you know, you gotta know yourself first, like, yeah. like most things. Right. And then you have to understand that you'll have a, a default style that you're naturally, drawn to and that that doesn't mean that you can't use other styles you just have to work at those other styles more yeah yeah um so yeah so i i think i may have forgotten the question yeah okay, i'm but, kind of <laughs> interested too I mean, we'll, we'll move on a little bit from there but i think i talked i talked to you about how how do you how in these when you've got conflict do you establish truth mm. uh, and, I th- and you told me quite a fun story um, which which helped bring that to alive, sure. and I sure. and I set you up, I set you up for anybody who was um, watching the video version of this in the break. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there there's an old Indian fable, I guess that uh, that I learned a long time ago that is is a real guide for me in this. And this is um, the story of six blind men and the elephant. Right. So the, the story goes that you have six blind men who live in a village and they've never uh, experienced an elephant. And one day they hear that an elephant is coming to the village and they all want to go experience the elephant. And since they can't see the elephant with their eyes, they touch the elephant to understand what the elephant's like. And what happens is they all go to a different part of the elephant. So one of them wraps his arms around the leg of the elephant. And he says, oh, I know what an elephant is. An elephant's like a tree. And then there's somebody else who has their hands up on the elephant's side. And he goes, no, no, you're wrong. An elephant's not like a tree. It's like a wall. And then there's another man who's got a hold of the elephant's tail. And he says, I don't know what you guys are talking about. An elephant's like a rope. Uh, And then you move around ones by the ear. And they say, no, an elephant's like a big uh, palm fan. Uh, and the one who's by the tusk thinks an elephant is like a spear, and the one who's by the trunk thinks an elephant is like a snake. And the thing about it is, and there's a there's a poem that was written uh, about uh, the uh, the story that ends with the idea that um, you know everybody's right and everybody's wrong. And I, I don't really like to say that everybody's right and wrong. I say that everybody's right 
and everybody has an incomplete picture, right? So they're all only seeing, uh, finger quotes, one piece of the elephant. And, and when you look at, you know, how do you progress to this idea of, of having conflict being an energy generator for your organization? Really, the, the analogy I like to use is you're trying to see the whole elephant. Yeah. Yeah. So what we have so to do is... Great. That's my favorite story, and so thank you for giving me a chance <laughs> to tell it. So we have to we have to kind of put put ourselves in the in the shoes of uh, of, of another person to kind of appreciate. Right. I, I also love actually your your story around your your points around um, kind of people's people's profiles as well is quite interesting. I've, I often tell with my clients when we're looking at highly highly um, creative blue sky thinking people versus very operational people the the story of the um, the, the two shoe salesmen who went to a country in Africa. And, uh, and and to explore whether there was an opportunity for to uh, for, to sell shoes, and one came back and said, you know, it's just a complete waste of time. Nobody wears shoes, and the other one came back and said, it's unbelievable. There's so much opportunity here. Nobody wears shoes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of the glass half full, glass half empty idea, right? Yeah. You know, do you do you focus on the obstacle or do you focus on the opportunity? Yeah, well, one also, yes, absolutely. One sees the opportunity. The other is almost needs research. They need evidence to say whether shoes are appropriate. And there's, there's no evidence because nobody's wearing shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, but it's fascinating. So, how, um, so what steps are important in adopting yeah. a, a new conflict strategy? I know you've got sure. three. Do you want to just very quickly overview them? And we'll go then into each one in a little bit more yep. detail. Yeah, let's do that. So, the three steps are this. Um, first is normalizing conflict. That's that idea of getting comfortable being in conflict. The second is um, having some agreements around some guiding principles, uh, some things that will be really your anchors uh, as you're going through conflict. And as as conflict tries to pull the people apart, um, you know, these are the things that can help pull us back together. Uh, And then the third step is really, um, you know, it's, I, I think the most common uh, thing for people to do uh, when they're thinking about solving a problem or solving a conflict is, is they tend to think about what they want to do. Uh, and what's really interesting to me is um, you, you need to know what you want to do, but I'm really interested in how you're going to do it. And so it is really helpful to have kind of a a robust set of rules for how you're going to engage in conflict. So three steps, normalize conflict, agree on guiding principles, and then, you know, have, have rules for how you're going to engage in conflict. So if we talk about normalizing conflict, it's got about three minutes before four minutes before commercial break um is this um is this a is this accepting that conflict is a way of life and it's going to happen sometime i mean yes and so so yes you accept uh that it's going to happen and then the next that's that's probably what gets you to that energy neutral stage and then again if you want to get to the generative point 
then it's not about accepting that, well, you know, this is just something that we got to do. It's like, hey, this is something that we get to do. Like we get to use each other's brains to sharpen our own thinking. That's pretty cool. Uh, and that's, that's one way of, of looking at what happens when, um, when you have conflict. It relates a lot to um, how, uh, how you learn to be a lawyer in law school because um, seen movies like The Paper Chase or anything that talks about law school, you know that what happens is, um, you know, a student gets called on and they get asked to, you know, state uh, an answer to a question. And then the goal of the professor is to keep coming up with questions that challenge that answer. Uh, and that process of constantly having your thinking challenged helps you sharpen your own thinking and, and make your ideas better. Mm-hmm. That, so, or, you know, helps you see the whole elephant. So, so imagine, right, if, uh, if when the one person said, hey, an elephant's like a tree, and the next person said an elephant's like a wall, the person who said it's a tree said, man, I wonder why that guy thinks it's a wall. I'm going to, I'm going to ask him to come over here and, and feel what I feel and, and ask why that's a wall. Yeah. So, you know, you start curiosity is such a huge skill to develop um, in terms of having this kind of, of um, energetic engagement with conflict. And it sounds like if you can, if you can do this very early when you first maybe spotting s- signals of, of conflict rather than, than, than bury it and not address it because it's uncomfortable. Um, I imagine that could probably save you a lot of energy and effort in, yeah. in the long term. Yeah. No, um, you know, kicking the can down the road. Um, if, if you want to kick the can down the road, it should be with the idea that you're never going to have to kick the can again. Like that this is just not an important issue for us to engage on. Yeah. 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 If, if yeah, yeah. If it's important, you know, the sooner you dive into it, the better. Yeah. Lean, lean in, I think, Steve. Mm-hmm. So, great. So that's, that's been really helpful. So we'll not normalize conflict and, uh, and lean in. We're going to go to commercial break now. After the break, we'll talk about the um, agreeing on the guiding um, principles. Uh, and uh, we'll find out. I uh, also want to find out a little bit about the inspirational work at uh, Greenberg Drury, because I know you've, you've been very impressed yeah. with the, the way that company operates. Maybe there's some things we can learn or learn about uh, doing business well um, today. Uh, from that experience. So we're back with you again in, in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Glenn Meir. We're talking about uh, about conflict and uh, making a co- conflict more uh, more agreeable. And uh, Glenn, uh, before the break, we were talking about normalising conflict, and then then your second principle was about um, establishing guiding principles. Tell us a bit about guiding principles and how we do it, sure. what they are, sure. how we do. It. So, so I know you know your audience, Chris. Um, are probably is probably largely made up of business people who uh, appreciate uh, the importance of identifying company values uh, and uh, and other guiding principles and things that are uh, really kind of going to be like I said your anchors in difficult times and the things that you always go back to. So you know if if you're talking about uh, how you're going to handle conflict inside of an organization, you know, one place you want to start is what are the company values? Because you want to make sure that how you handle conflict is consistent with your company yep. values. And then, you know, there, I think it's, it's a good idea for people to think in, in broad frame about, you know, how do we want to be with each other when we disagree? Um, and, so, and to, to come up with kind of some some principles that you're going to agree to 
uh, hold yourself to. Uh, and this is with the idea that, you know, these are aspirational because because uh, they're they're not things that are just going to naturally happen um, as, as our primitive brains get triggered. Uh, and so we have to, to work to make them happen. So best example I can give of that is um, I've had a, a lot of clients who have set up these systems and one of the, the principles they agree to follow when they're uh, engaging in conflict is that we're going to assume good intentions with each other. You know, we're, we're going to assume that we're all on the same team and ultimately striving for the same goal. So that's, um, uh, that's a, a good example. Another thing, I had a friend uh, talking to me really just last week, and they, they, um, they mentioned uh, something that they'd read from uh, one of those books, like Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Uh, and it was, uh, use inside voices, speak kind words, um, and don't lay hands on anybody. Uh, so, you know, those are our examples of some of the things that, uh, that people might want to say are, are kind of our, our big principles in how we're going to be with each other when we have to be in conflict. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So but I was kind of thinking about my old, uh, my old uh, procurement days. I remember I came up with this, um, kind of analogy because I used to I used to run procurement functions as, as, as in part of my career and I'd often find myself in really difficult situations where there was disagreements with suppliers sometimes even I, I had celebrity um, celebrities where there'd been endorsements and the company decided to pull out at last minute and things like this and I found myself in a real mess and I, I used to say to them look please please involve me early and let's um, deal with these things early um, because, um, and, and, and this is a bit like putting a little bit of a fence at the top of the cliff, because I don't want to be at the bottom picking up the pieces. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd spend a bit of time, you know, trying to help people understand conflict can happen, trying to, you know, try and avoid it. But if it does, this is the way we'll, we'll deal with it. Um, right. Right. And you're right, not making anybody, because conflicts happen, not making anybody you know, ruining their life because it's happened. Conflicts do happen, just coming together to sure. provide a solution. Sure. Mm. Um, yeah, no, and, and that's, a, that's a, a big part of it, again, is, is just recognizing that, that this, is, this is part of how, you know, right, there's a lot of focus in the business world these days on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I, to me, one of the, the main business drivers of why diversity, equity, and inclusion is a big asset is because, number one, you get those people who see all of the different parts of the elephant. Uh, but then it's also about how do you take all of those individual perspectives and integrate them into one picture of an elephant instead of a tree, a wall, a rope, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so again, you, you, you don't get there without the conflict. I'll go back to the music for a second because, you know, it's possible to play music that doesn't have those tension notes in it. Yes. And it sounds fun. You know, it's, that's, that's the, you know, kind of bubblegummy poppy music. It's fine. It's fun to listen to, but it doesn't like get those feelings going inside of you like the music that has the tension 
God does. Same thing with conflict. Like if you, it's the, the magic isn't in having an agreement. The magic happens when you start from a position of disagreement and work through together to get to agreement. Yes. That's the stuff that's going to lead you to, um, to, uh, to that generative experience of conflict that I was talking about. So, you know, we, we, we titled this talk, Discovering Agreement in Difficult Times. Discovering Agreement is, is uh, a very meaningful phrase to me because it's the title of a book that a mentor of mine wrote. Um, that's really about, you know, it's, it starts out talking about, well, this is a way you can approach doing contracts and, but it's really about how do you engage with conflict and disagreement successfully. And I've really come to appreciate that idea of discovering agreement. You know, it's the agreement that you have to work for that is the most meaningful, the most sticky, the most sustainable. So, um, so I think, you know, that, and this gets back to having a good process. It's the process where you really help everybody see the whole elephant. Yeah, excellent. Well, well um, you might be surprised. We've only got five minutes now, so I need to wrap oh up the interview. Goodness. So the time is just flying away. Um, we must be having fun because well, I feel like be. we've been so, talking about 10 minutes. <laughs> so specific um, uh, specific process, you, you, you normalize conflict in your organization, um, you uh, agree some guiding principle, we're going to operate according to our values, and, and then you put in place um, some systems, uh, specific processes in your business to enable you to um, resolve mm-hmm. conflict. Is that you know, the kind of people who might be involved, where things might be escalated to? Yeah, so, so since we're running short on time, I'll, I'll kind of punt to an example that's out there in the world. Let's talk about like your company as well quickly, so yeah, it's on this. Yeah, if, if you want to really get a good example of somebody who has a very well-developed process of how they're going to have to, uh, how they're going to deal with conflict inside of their organization, uh, read Brene Brown and Rene, read when she talks about having rumbles in her company. So they have a way to start the process. They have agreements about how they're going to uh, engage with each other. Uh, They have agreements about when they're going to bring in outside help, like a facilitator or a mediator to help them work through their conflicts. Uh, And they have agreements for how they're going to make sure that when the conflict is done, that they're still in right relation with each other. So those those are some of the things that you want to cover. And, and if anybody's really interested in, in how to develop some sort of that process, reach out to me and we can have that conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about where I work. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell um, me, you, 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 you're very passionate about the, the company you work for. What, what yeah. is it you love about them? What do they do that is maybe a little bit different that other people can learn from? So I got to start with the fact that it's just like unparalleled uh, legal talent. Like I work with brilliant people uh, and that's just an amazing experience. Mm. Um, and, and I work with people who have special, like I don't think somebody could ask me a question about, hey, can you handle this specialty where I couldn't find somebody inside of the firm who can do that? So you start with that, just an inc- insanely talented group of people. Um, 
also, though, really good people to be with, um, which is not something that lawyers necessarily have the reputation of being. But this really is, um, it is an extraordinarily collaborative organization, how you link up all these different specialties. Um, and it is an organization that I think really uh, believes that lawyers and law firms have a leadership role in our communities. Uh, and I think they're very serious about exercising that leadership role. Uh, internally, I saw, so I joined the firm about two weeks before we went to 100% work from home for the pandemic, which was an interesting experience mm -hmm. of onboarding. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, you, you, leadership is tested in times of crisis. And I was blown away by the leadership that the firm uh, just internally displayed. Um, also, a serious, uh, serious commitment to genuine diversity, equity, and inclusion. Not, uh, not, hey, this is, you know, kind of the thing that we're supposed to do in business these days. But I've talked to the people who lead those efforts in the firm, and they really get that yeah, this is a good and right thing to do in the world. It's also really, really good business. Mm. Uh, because again, you get those huge, all those diverse perspectives together, and then you harness the collective wisdom of the group. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's that magic. And so, you know, I walked into an organization um, that operates very much like I think people should operate. And that was awesome. Sorry. Fantastic. Sounds, sounds great. Very inspiring. We've got just uh, about a minute and a half before we end. Um, have you got been 30 seconds? Have you got a final message you want to leave us with? So <laughs> one of the things that I think is really interesting in business uh, these days is that we're getting a lot more comfortable with using the word love, particularly the kind of business people that, um, that I know make up your audience. And, and I think when you think about this, you can't have love without conflict because love is where you, you really get close together with other people and they're going to be different than you are and they're going to see things differently. And at some point you're going to disagree. Yeah. Um, and, and conflict to me is that kind of love that's, it's like the less fun part of love. Like we love each other. So we're going to work through stuff, even though we don't particularly like each other right now. Excellent. Well, we've got to, got to leave you there. Um, Glenn, okay. do, you want to, do you want people to contact you in any way or um, do you want to, is it so people, people look up? Um, sure. The, you know, the, the, right. The best way to find me uh, is by email to my law firm, uh, which is my last name, M E I E R my first initial G. So Meyer G Yep. at gtlaw.com. Fantastic. We've well, got to leave you there. I've got to mention the next week's show, we're going to get cut off in a minute. Um, we have Alex Owen Hill. We're going to talk about 
about finding your voice in your business. You know, you might be the only person in your business uh, and somehow you've got to stand out and bring the best of yourself into what you do. Or you might be um, representing your business um, like uh, Glenn today. So um, bringing the best best version of you really or creating that uh, version of you to really make a difference. Any questions or comments, um, Chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Always love to hear from you. And once again, huge thank you to Glenn. This has been really fascinating, Glenn. Thank you. Thank you. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.